It is very seldom that I have the opportunity prior to the worship hour to spend time here in the sanctuary and to greet some of those who come early for worship. But today was one of those opportunities in that the class that I'm teaching for this summer, the college students, most of them that are present are involved in the choir. So while they had rehearsal, I had the time to visit. And it was a great thrill to see visitors coming to worship with us today. Now there's some radio listeners from Vandergrift who are present with us, together with some other friends who have known over the years. And one of those people is Dr. W. Paul Ludwig and his wife, Mrs. Betty Ludwig, who are with us. They're about in the eighth row of the first section on the left-turn side. I want to make mention of them because, whether you know it or not, they've had a, some part of a ministry in Bakerstown Church. They are people who live in our community part of the time of the year. Dr. Ludwig is pastor of the Eastminster Presbyterian Church in the East Liberty section of Pittsburgh, and they have an apartment not too far from where my mother lives on Shady Avenue in the Shady Side area. But they also have a lovely home out here on Badcock Boulevard and spend their summers and some leisure time throughout the year in that beautiful setting in our great community. But not only that way do they belong to us, but with your ministers and those who lead this service today, they have had a part in all of our lives. Dr. Ludwig and Mr. Bruder served churches in Washington today at the same time. Uh, Judd Wiley, whom we all love, is in the Christian ministry today because of the influence of this man and his wife, Judd being a product of the former Second Presbyterian Church of Washington, now the Church of the Covenant. I've known this man since I think I was born. <laughs> his father and my father were pastors in Washington at the same time, and I grew up learning from childhood the name Ludwig. And Andy Gerhardt is not to be left out on this, and he is a student in the seminary where Dr. Ludwig is president of the Board of Trustees. So you see the tie-in we have here, and it's great to welcome friends in Christ. And I want you to mean because he's going to pronounce our benediction today, and I just want you to know who this strange friend is that comes up and pushes me out of the way to pronounce the benediction when I'm finished preaching. So I'll give you the signal, Doctor. Okay, if you'll turn in our reading of God's Word, Mark the 13th chapter, the 28th verse. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But of that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. 
Take heed, watch, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch, <coughs> watch. Jesus is confronting the subject of the unknown here in this particular passage. Some biblical scholars claim that these verses in Mark had to do with Jesus talking about his second coming. What he is saying is that no one, no one, not even himself, but only the Father, can know when that event will take place. <coughs> and what he is saying here has, I think, not only to do with the unknown about when the second coming of Christ will take place, but it has to do with everything which is unknown to us. And that's a lot. For though we are a people that know a lot, we all know there's much we don't know. Though we are individuals who could fill a book with what we know, what we don't know would fill even a bigger book. <coughs> so today I want you to think to about think with me, not just about the second coming of Christ, but more importantly, I think, about this principle which Jesus sets forth about how we can deal with those unknown things that we will never know in life. The main thing that I see him saying here is simply this. Concerning those things which are unknown, including the time when Christ will come again. About the only thing that you can do is make sure you know that you don't know. Watch. Be on the alert. Be careful. Know that you don't know. And that's very, very sound godly advice concerning those things that we will never know. Take, for example, the fact that no one of us, no one of us, will ever know the effect of the imprint of our impressions. We will never know, any one of us, how far our influence, be it for good or for evil, will go. Paul, in telling us that no man lives unto himself, nor does he die unto himself, is telling us something that all of us know, namely that we live in what one writer has called the human network. We are interrelated 
psychosomatic human beings. What you do and say affects me and vice versa. We have a tremendous impact, far more than we realize, on each other here in this world. The shadows that we cast, the shadows of influence, are long and lasting, and no one of us will ever know the imprint of that impression. We see this illustrated every day, every time a little child who is not old enough to know what he is doing takes the Lord's name in vain, reveals the ugly imprint of someone's impression. Every time somebody tries to do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with God, likewise is showing the influence that someone has had upon his or her life. Now, no one of us knows who or how we are influencing. And that's the important fact that we should know. That we know we don't know upon whose life we are placing our imprint and our influence. You see, that's the great help, I think, that Jesus is trying to tell us in dealing with the unknown, especially as it concerns our influence that we have upon this earth. When we know we don't know, something happens. We're a little bit careful of what we say and what we do. And we begin to realize also that the most important thing is not so much what we say or what we do, but what we do not say and do not do. It's Peter who drives this lesson home to us, which I think all of us needs to learn in the area of practical influence. We influence not so much by what we say and do, but rather by what we do not say and do not do. Remember Peter, big, lovable, impetuous, impulsive Peter who had a short fuse and who could explode either one way or another for evil or good according to the influence or the stimulus that was confronting him. According to his own words, as we find it in the first letter of Peter, the thing that impressed him the most was not what Jesus said or did, but what Jesus did not say or do. Peter looked at Jesus in practically every situation and confrontation that can come to a human being. And Peter knew how he would react if he were Jesus. But Jesus did not do what Peter thought he would do. As Peter says in his own words, he was reviled. But what impressed Peter was that Jesus did not revile in return. Jesus suffered. But Jesus did not retaliate with threats. When we know that we do not know how far and wide our influence can travel, that's what helps us to be careful. That's what helps us to watch and to think before we speak, before we act.
It happens not only in the area of influence, but it happens also in the area of faith. Because, you see, no one of us will ever know, ever will we know, where faith would have taken us if we had followed her completely. You will never know what you could have become if you would have followed faith completely. Any one of us can say that about ourselves. Because, you see, we, we just never know where we might be today. We're here, you know, yes, we're here today because of our faith. Wherever you are, either materialistically or spiritually, you are there not just because you are brilliant or fortunate or because God in his infinite wisdom and providence has guided you, but you're there because of your faith. Jesus tells us this, according to your faith, be it unto you. But that's not all that Jesus says. <laughs> Jesus said to his disciples, and he's constantly saying to us, where is your faith? If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move, and that mountain would move. All things are possible with faith. You can do the impossible, said Jesus, with faith. Ladies and gentlemen, there are many mountains out there that we could have moved. There are many impossible dreams that we could have brought to reality. But we didn't. We didn't. Every one of us, every one of us, could fulfill more of the potential that God has given within us if we only had more faith. I doubt very much whether any man, save Jesus Christ, ever has or ever will fulfill the total potential that he has placed in each one of us to find the happiness, the joy, the creativity, the love that we're expected to have. No, no one of us will ever know the things we have missed because of a lack of faith. But knowing that we do not know what we have missed, you see, that is a great help. Because, you see, that is what enables us to know that there are things still yet that we can do in faith. I'm not telling this to you to reopen old wounds, to remind you of failures that both you and me, we, we have failed to achieve to a greater extent. I, I'm not telling you this to remind you that all of us have failed. From time to time to go out, not knowing where we are going. No, I am telling you this simply because this is the best way to remind ourselves that yet we can have the courage to do things that are yet to be done if we have faith. Faith comes, you see, not just by reciting the things that we have been able to do, but it comes also when we realize the things that we have not done because we have not followed faith. 
And when we know about the many things we do not know, what we could have achieved if we had followed faith. That makes us courageous the next time to step out in faith even when we don't know where it is we are going. So know that there are many things that you do not know as to where you might have been if you had followed faith. There's another important thing that I think we ought to know that we do not know, and that is simply that we will never know how many tragedies in life that we have missed. You ever think about that? It can be a little spooky, but I think it can be filled with spiritual blessing as well when you sit down and realize that there are some tragedies in this life that you have missed. I don't know what they are. <laughs> I don't even know the tragedies that I have missed. For no one can know the tragedies which he has missed. But ladies and gentlemen, know that there are some tragedies that you have missed, which you'll never know about. And you know when you think in that particular vein something happens. Sometimes we are forced to think in that vein when suddenly there's a, a horrible accident. There's a calamity. The prognosis from a surgeon is not good. And suddenly we begin to realize that we are facing something that is horrible. And you know the first thing any one of us does, we begin to play what I call the game of if. If I'd have done this, or if I'd have done that, if I'd gone a little slower, if I'd gone another way, if I'd have been two minutes later, two minutes earlier, if, if, if. Now you can really torture yourself with that kind of game, but through torture there is even some, through such torture there is even some blessing. Because if you play the game long enough, you have to come to the conclusion that those things are worse if things had been different. They could even be more tragic than they are. And when we begin to think in that particular element, and at times we try to do this at funeral and in the midst of accident and tragedy and sorrow, those things are worse than any of us would like to think. They even could be more tragic. We don't like to think in this realm, and it's too bad. Most of us, and I guess it's because of our selfishness, human nature, so often we think of the things that we miss, and we seldom think of the things that have missed us. But when you begin to know that there are tragedies that have missed you, tragedies that you'll never know about, something happens to you. You begin to realize that no matter, no matter how much suffering, how much sorrow you have, you're very grateful you don't have more. We'll never know in this life the imprint of our impression. We'll never know 
where faith could have taken us if we would have followed. We never know the tragedies that we really miss. But if we know we do not know these things, something wonderful happens. And this is true also. When we realize that no one of us knows what good could have come with love that we did not share. Well, you know, you just read it. I wish we had it in the New English Bible so all of you could read it. I suggest the reading of 1 Corinthians 13 in the New English translation. For there's this one phrase that I think is beautiful. There is nothing that love cannot do. That's right. Henry Drummond said it. We agree with it. It's still the greatest thing in the world, love. <clears throat> but I don't think we fully understand love until we realize that there are many things in this life, many things that we'll never know about, that could have been accomplished better, more beautifully, much easier. If only we had shared love that we claim we have for someone else. July is always a rough month for some of us who said goodbye to our loved ones before they passed on to the other side. Forgive me if I get a little melancholy around this time of the year. Death with its anniversary always brings memories, some good and some not so good. But one of the ones that I'm most happy for in my own life was that shortly before my father died, in the midst of a family discussion that had more than one side to it, I stopped and I told him something which in 38 years, I guess I hadn't said too often, but which I thought he knew. I said, Pop, don't you realize I love you? I love you. He had to say, and I'll never forget the expression on his face. Oh, yeah, he knew I loved him. I tried to show it with my respect, my little thoughts of kindness, which were never really enough, I thought. But when I said, I love you, I shared my love, which I knew and he knew, but which became something even greater because it was shared. Never got that experience, and I hope it's made a difference because, you see, one of the regrets, the regrets that I have in life is that so many people have left my immediate vicinity, people whom I loved, the people with whom I did not share my expression of love. I'm trying to make a difference in my life with that, and no matter who you are, I, I try to tell you I love you. Knowing that love is really not love unless it is shared. And that things in this life could be so much greater, more beautiful, easier, if instead of being tight-lipped, worried about our conservativeness, 
we remain silent when it comes in sharing love. I just wonder how many great, wonderful things could have been done in this world through my life with love that I did not share. You see, this is what enables us to move out in love. The knowledge that we have that we will never know what could have been done if we had expressed our love. Knowing the unknown is what makes us better lovers. So can't you see the point that I'm trying to get to? Whether you're talking about the second coming of Christ, whether you're talking about the impact of influence, faith, thankfulness for love. There are many things in this world that we'll never know what those great virtues can accomplish. But if we know that we cannot know such things, we will be people who will be more careful, people who will live more by faith, people who will be grateful for what we do have, and people who will love. And that's so important. When I abide in faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love.